Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. We're continuing our series in the book of Mark, and today we come to Mark chapter 13. And it's uh, really very timely for us to to look at this chapter when you uh, think about the things that are going on in the world. There's lots of unsettling things, of course, the the big one being the, the pandemic. And uh, I was especially unsettled by this outbreak that's occurring with the truck driver down at Beanley. Did you hear about that? The guy had a pedicure. I find this really, really unsettling. Why would a truck driver be getting a pedicure? Uh, this, is the, this is what the world has come to. Uh, uh, but of course, then there's also there's a whole lot of protests going on around the world, sort of coming out of the US and the unsettledness there over their political system and uh, riots and protests, the, the anti-lockdown protests that we've observed in, in the capital cities over the last few years, the last few weeks and months as well. There's the environmental concerns which sort of bubble away under the surface. And if you, they've done it a few times now, you survey young people across the world and ask them, what, what is most concerning to you? What is most upsetting? And they say, it's the environment. And you see pictures like that. You can sort of relate to, to why that would be unsettling for us. And of course, there's terrorism. Uh, it seems to continue on. Just when you think it's sort of going to be quiet, we had the instance in New Zealand this week of uh, extremism and terrorism. So we live in unsettling times. And when we look at Mark chapter 13, as we're going to look at today, we need to remember that we are, uh, that they were living in unsettling times as well. There was the, the they were under oppression of the Roman governors. The, they were, uh, there was a lot of political unrest, a lot of military unrest, a lot of religious unrest, and it was quite unsettled for them as well. And uh, Mark chapter 13 is sometimes called the mini-apocalypse. Jesus talks in an apocalyptic language. It's uh, reminiscent of the book of Daniel or the second half of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation as well. And as we approach it this morning, we we need to to remember that it's uh, apocalyptic language is uh, foreign to most of us. We we don't read it and write it very much uh, ourselves. And it was also written 2,000 years ago and in a different context and using a different language. And so it's, it's challenging as we, as we come to approach it. And remember, though, that it is written in, in times like we are in now. And so it does have that relevance and connection to us, as it did for the unsettled listeners of Jesus' first audience. The setting was at the temple. And uh, the, the disciples, that, they said, these are the, we're drawing near to the end of Jesus' life now as he gets ready to to go to the cross and Jesus and the disciples are in Jerusalem and they're going up and seeing the temple and it was an impressive building Uh, if you've been to Israel you can go now and you can see some of the foundation stones which which are taller than your head so these huge stones and so the the Herod's temple must have been an incredibly impressive site people coming from a rural area where you know the only buildings they have are sort of simple houses Uh, the disciples fishermen going to Jerusalem, seeing this incredible temple. And uh, in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. But Jesus' response was very disconcerting 
for his followers. He said, Do you see all these great buildings? replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And so they come to Jesus and ask two things. Now, when is this going to happen? When, when is the temple going to, to, to be destroyed? When is the city of Jerusalem going to be destroyed? Obviously, that's not here. They're, they're feeling unsettled and now Jesus is saying this, this destruction is coming. And when, when's it going to happen? What are the signs? What are the signs going to be that they will give us a warning that these things are going to happen? And, and I'll probably emphasize it a few times through here. Jesus will not tell them when. In fact, it's because Jesus himself did not know when, it, that's when the, the destruction would occur. But he did reveal some signs, or more accurately, he gives them some not signs. He tells them, this is not the sign that the temple is going to be destructed, destroyed. Or, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated, Jesus also talks about his second coming in this same text. So there's, there's two things we're looking at. There is the destruction of Jerusalem, and there is Jesus' second coming. And hopefully as we go through the text, I'll be able to help you to see when Jesus is talking about these things. But the first thing is, is they're asking, what are the signs? And when, when will the temple be destroyed? Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you when, but I'll, give you, I'll talk about what are the not signs. So uh, verse 4, what will be the sign that all these things will be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. So these false messiahs were the first not signs. Up uh, before Jesus uh, came, there was, for that first time, there were false messiahs in Israel. And there was actually a, a guy called um, uh, Ben Jesus, the <laughs> son of Jesus, come on name, uh, who, who caused a, a riot and... and fanned into life all this um, religious fervour and nationalistic fervour and then the Romans had got him and killed him and uh, that sort of had, had, had fallen away. And so uh, Jesus warned there was false messiahs then and then after Jesus, many, many false messiahs have come on. Many people have come and said, I am Jesus or I am God's anointed one and I'm declaring to you the truth and declaring that the end of the age has arrived. And we've seen it again and again down through the centuries. Even in the 20th century, uh, we saw our son, Myung Moon, uh, the, the founder of the Moonies uh, religion in, or sect in South Korea. And uh, he didn't claim to be the Messiah, but people said he was the Messiah. Uh, in the United States, um, David Koresh, whose real name was Vernon Howell, uh, led a, a group called the Branch Davidians, an extremist group that believed that the return of Jesus was imminent and they went off into the, the desert to prepare themselves uh, and in the end it was came to a, a flaming, messy ruin as uh, the FBI stormed the compound and everybody was, was either killed or committed suicide. And we've even got our own false messiah in Australia, in Queensland. Uh, Alan John Miller uh, calls himself Jesus Christ and claims to be the messiah and his wife goes by the name of Mary Magdalene. And uh, they claim to be the, the second coming of Christ right here on earth. 
So the Jesus, things that Jesus predicted were fulfilled in his time and have continued to be fulfilled right through Christian history, right up to the current day. Jesus goes on and gives a second not sign. Verse um, 7. When you hear wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of the birth plains. As I said, it was a very unsettled time. There had been revolutions in, in Jerusalem and in Israel at that time. We know from archaeological evidence now that there was a city called Sepphoris, not far from Nazareth, where Jesus was born and grew up. And the Romans, in around the same time that Jesus was on earth, had come in and destroyed the city of Sepphoris, raised it to the ground because of the rebellion that was going on in there. And uh, there was also, we suggest that there was an earthquake struck the Middle East at about that time. And, and created all this fervour and people saying, this is the end of the world, this is the sign of the end of the world. But Jesus is saying here, no, it's not. It's just a mark of the beginning of the process. And uh, when we, we live in, in history, we lose perspective sometimes. And, and some people are thinking that the COVID thing is, is you know, the, the biggest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. But of course, even less than 100 years ago was the Spanish flu after the end of the Second World War. And all the stuff that we're wrestling with happened in the world, but on a bigger scale. Millions and millions of people died in, in, the, in the late 1900s and, and up into the 1920s. And, and we can lose perspective, and that's what Jesus is saying here. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, when you hear of famines and earthquakes, they're just part of the process. They're not the sign that the end is imminent. He goes on and says, the, another not sign is persecution. Verse 9, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and father to his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. Jesus himself went through that sort of persecution. Read in the book of Acts that the early church went through that sort of persecution. Throughout the history of the church, somewhere in the world, at least one place, the church has been suffering the sort of persecution that Jesus was warning about here. It was not a sign of the end then, and it's not an imminent sign of the end now. It's just what is happening in the wake of Jesus' first coming. And then he goes on to explain that even the destruction of the temple would not be the sign of the end. It's another not sign. Verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, I'll come back to that, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea, that's you guys, the original audience, 
flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be the days of distress and unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Now, we don't know what the abomination of causes desolation is exactly. It, it alludes back to the book of Daniel, which was about a, a, a foreign king putting a, slaughtering a pig in the temple. So we, we assume it, it's some, something that's going to happen inside the temple is to be the sign. And, and then when Jesus' disciples, those who are sitting before him in, in, you know, in 30 AD, uh, are hearing this warning, when you see that abomination of desolation in the temple... That's when you flee to the mountains. And we know from history that's what happened. In AD 70, there was a, the Romans went to Rome, uh, went to Jerusalem, leveled it, destroyed the temple. But most of the Christians had already fled from Jerusalem before AD 70. And it's because they remembered this. And whatever it was, they saw the abomination that causes desolation. And they remembered Jesus' words and they fled into the mountains. The Romans came in, destroyed the city, and then they moved back in and reoccupied it. But it was not the sign of the end, obviously. It didn't mark the second coming of Jesus. The destruction of the temple did not mark the second coming of Jesus. It was another not sign for the disciples. Jesus goes on to show the true sign in verse 24. But in those days, following that... So in those days, sometime after the destruction of the temple, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the of the heavens we're not going to miss it we're not going to have to go looking around for some clues that suggest that jesus has returned unlike his first coming when basically nobody knew jesus had come when jesus comes again everybody will know it will be absolutely unmistakable the, the, yeah, the moon is going to be darkened, the sun's going to go out, the moon's going to be darkened, the stars will fall from the sky. We're not going to need some mystery, you know, secret code to decipher the second coming of Christ. There will be no doubt about it at all. He then teaches two parables. The first one is for his original audience the, 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 in 30 AD. And, and he says in, in verse... 28 now learn this lesson from the fig tree 
as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation, you guys, will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so Jesus is saying to, to the disciples, and when you, when you see the sign, when you see the, the, the abomination that marks desolation, when you see the, fr- the fruit on the fig tree or the first leaves on the fig tree, run, get out of Jerusalem, get to the mountains and get to safety. But the second parable Jesus tells here is for us and for all of his disciples down through the centuries. Verse 32, but about that day or hour, no one knows. No one knows when the second coming will occur. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. And so Jesus' message to us, his disciples down through the ages is, be ready. You don't know when the master is going to return. You don't know when Jesus, even Jesus doesn't know. The angels in heavens don't know. And so you must live constantly as though this could be your last day. Because it could be. It could be Jesus comes back right now. Be prepared. Live as though it's going to happen immediately. And Jesus reiterates, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch, live and be prepared. We live with fervency and diligence because we know Jesus is coming back. But we live with confidence and assurance because we know it is Jesus who is coming back. Passages like Mark 13 lead to, sometimes, to two sorts of extreme. They speak to two groups of people. The first is the the second coming enthusiasts, people who spend their time trying to read the signs and decipher the codes and work out and predict exactly when Jesus is going to come back. And there's some people doing that right now. They're saying that, you know, what's happening with COVID and what's happening with religious freedom in Australia and and what is happening with, with the riots. They're saying, this is it. This is it. But that's exactly what Jesus is warning against here. He says, just be prepared. Just live as though he's going to return at any moment because he can. But at the other end of the spectrum is that the, the delays of, of Jesus' return produces a, a sort of uh, a disinterest and, and a lack of enthusiasm and a scepticism. And people live as though Jesus is never going to come back. And, and that applies both to disciples and not to disciples. 
And, and if you are a person who hasn't committed your life to following Jesus, you need to be aware that Jesus can return at any moment. And it's not the thing you sort of thing you should or can put off. That if you're thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus and committing your life to him, now is the time to do it. You've been warned that, that the world is not going to go on forever, that Jesus can come back at any moment and wind up the, the creation. But some Christians, we grow a bit lethargic as well. We sort of start thinking, well, I'm not sure Jesus is ever going to come back. I'm not sure when the second coming will be, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be before my holiday. But he can come back at any moment, and we've got to live with that constant sense of his imminent return. Mark, in his Gospel, records a number of predictions about when the second coming will occur. Things that must happen as part of God's plan for the end of the world. The first one was that John the Baptist must come, and he did. Elijah must come, and he came in the form of John the Baptist. It's happened. Second, Jesus talks a lot about the fact that he would go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and be raised from the dead. He has. Jesus predicted the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem, would be destroyed. It has been. Jesus predicted that his disciples would be persecuted. They have been all around the world, all through history. Jesus predicted all of these things would happen and they have all already happened or are happening around the world. So we must be prepared. Perhaps a, a metaphor for our world at the moment is that we are in the final act of a play. And there's no script though, but we all know our parts. And at any moment, the director will say, the play is over and the curtain will close. And when Jesus comes back, he's not going to be saying, did you guess? Did you work it out when I was going to come back? He's not going to be saying that. He's going to be saying, how did you wait? What were you doing while you were waiting for me to return? Were you preaching the gospel? Were you doing your work with fervency and expectancy? Were you serving others? These are the sorts of questions that he'll ask and that we need to be ready to answer in these very unsettling times. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the, the warnings you give us in this passage that help us not to be unsettled by the unsettled times we live in. You're more or less saying, this is what to expect. This is the way the world is until you return. There will be false messiahs. There will be wars and rumours of wars. There will be global catastrophes. There will be persecution of Christians. There will be the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And Lord, we pray you will give, that will give us this, the confidence and assurance and the peace that we need in these unsettled times. To know this is not out of your control. Nothing that is happening is out of your control. In fact, it's all part of your plan. And that when the time comes, you will return in glory and you will set this world right. 
that your reign, your kingdom will finally reach its, its consummation here on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be diligent while we wait. Help us to live expectantly. And help us to live faithfully, doing the things that you've called us to do while we wait for your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.